Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Oh, hello there. Welcome into Downtown, the podcast. It is episode number 216. Rich Kimball here in our Zone Radio studios in Bangor. Carrie Haskell putting it all together from the New Orleans studio. We're kind of a bi-coastal or something operation here. Anyway, glad to have you along. We remind you the podcast is brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. A couple of great conversations for you on the show this week. A little bit later on, comedian and Emmy Award-winning writer for Adesis and Marrow. And before that, last week tonight with John Oliver, Josh Gondelman will visit with us and talk about his first stand-up special called People Pleaser. All that ahead, but up first, a terrific actor, multiple-time Emmy and Golden Globe nominee for his work on shows like uh, St. Elsewhere, Arrested Development, of late in the cast of Better Call Saul, just to join the cast of the reboot of Queer as Folk as well, and a number of great film roles through the years, and also a longtime environmental activist. We're very happy to welcome back to the program Ed Begley Jr. We had just talked to you last July, so I appreciate you coming back with us so soon here. Happy to be on with you, Richard. Now, since the last time we talked, big event in your life, uh, you've got a third grandchild now. I do, Ari. He's a wonderful young lad, and uh, he was just up, uh, well, down for a visit. I'm in L.A. He lives up in Portland, and I saw my son and grandkids just a few weeks ago up there, so I'm getting a lot of grandpa time, which I like. That's wonderful. Is he about eight months old now? You're very good. He's uh, 10 months right now. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Well, that's exciting. Well, I want to talk about a number of things, but uh, we're coming up on uh, the final episodes of Better Call Saul. And, and for fans of the show, uh, we have just been hanging on since the mid-season break here to see what happens. But but what an, what an ending to the first half of the season. And those those episodes, those last scenes uh, with your character, uh, Cliff Main and Howard Hamlin were, were so powerful. We've had Patrick on the show and, and my gosh, it, it was just a, it was a masterclass in acting with you two. Uh, you're nice to include me in that, but he sure is wonderful. Everybody is so good. Bob and, you know, Ray and all of them, you know, it's just an amazing group of people, Jonathan, Michael Mandel, I get to work with all those folks is extraordinary for me. And they don't tell me what's going to happen. So when I see a script with a scene that I'm in, I know what's going to happen. But other than that, I don't really know how this is going to draw to close. I'm as excited as you are to see it. Well, I love the fact that Cliff is such a decent man that even when Howard is blowing things up at this uh, this big meeting, his concern is obviously the company, but also his friend and colleague, Howard. Right. Yeah, it's a very nice character they've drawn there. Uh, you know, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan are such great writers, and the whole writer's room there is just first class. What they do every episode of that show is nothing short of extraordinary. I'm, I'm just proud to be part of it. I love the scene uh, at the cafe with you and Ray Seahorn when uh, Bob, as Howard, drives by in the car. I, I sure hope, I mean, everybody in this show is deserving of recognition, but I hope I hope finally that Emmy nomination comes Ray's way. She is so good, and your scene together I, is just perfect. 
I hope so too. I'm hoping for that more than anybody. I love everybody in the show, but she's the one I really think if we live in a fair and just world, she'll get that nod for what she does in that show every episode, just without fail. I was very excited to see that uh, you're part of the reboot of Queer as Folk as Winston Beaumont. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience so far. Yeah, it was a wonderful show years ago. They've decided to redo it in New Orleans and uh, it's a great town as you know and I, I love getting down there to shoot it and to work with these wonderful people. They're just a great cast and great you know, uh, writing staff and producers, directors, unbelievable, each and every one of them. And, and given what's happening in our world right now, it seems like the, the time is, is perfect for this show to come back. It is, isn't it? I, I, I think it's time. It's, it's uh, you know, a, a wonderful backdrop there to be in the South as it is. And uh, with the progress we've made in many ways, today in 2022, even with some backsliding here and there, of course, you know, with that struggle that we go through for the, the, the rights that I think are so uh, appropriate for, you know, all the people featured in the show and beyond is, I, I think we've come a long way and, and it's a wonderful show that, that talks about that in a very sensitive manner. I want to talk about a couple of things I've watched recently, Ed. One of them uh, was on cable, and I, I had to check it up because I love the film. Just an amazing performance by your dad in Sweet Bird of Youth. He was a great actor, and he had many great victories as a, as a performer. And Sweet Bird of Youth was a top one for him because he won the Oscar for that and, and sure deserved it. Uh, he had also won a Tony Award for Inherit the Wind with Paul Muni on stage on Broadway there and uh, he was great in uh, yeah, 12 Angry Men and he just did so much great work. Uh, another great one is Boomerang, a mm. wonderful movie from years ago. Uh, just terrific. I hadn't seen that in a while and saw it recently. Ilya Kazan directed that. Just great. And I had never seen it before, but it was on a, a cable station here a few months ago. Uh, the, uh, the Rod Serling uh, wonderful Patterns. teleplay Patterns. Wow. Why? And I'd wanted to see that. I'd read about it for years, but I finally got a chance to see it. God, that was great. Did you see the one with Van Heflin or yes. Richard Kiley? Uh, oh, Van, Van Heflin. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Both of them good in their own wonderful way. And I'm glad you got to see that. I, that's one I hadn't seen for many, many years. I saw it when I was so young, I didn't remember much about it. And I saw it, let's say, three or four years ago was gobsmacked by how mm. good it was. And specifically being very fair and I'm fair with myself and with my father and all my family members, how good my dad was in that. Really just neutral observer, really. I can be that and I am with my family and friends and uh, boy, he was great in that. We're talking with Ed Begley Jr. here on Downtown. I also rewatched recently, uh, I think, one of your best roles. And we didn't talk about it last time you were on, but a terrific performance uh, in the HBO film Recount as David Boyce. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a challenge playing that very famous and uh, important lawyer, you know, for that very important uh, part of his life when he was doing the recount trial there in uh, Tallahassee in Florida and then finally before the Supreme Court. So uh, uh, that was a little bit of history there and 
no, Al Gore came pretty close. It wasn't thousands, it was 150 votes. And you can certainly argue that there was a lot of people stricken from the voting rolls too that shouldn't have been. William G. Whiting is a, a reverend. He's a Baptist minister, I believe. But since there's a Willie Whiting that was a convicted felon, they took William G. Whiting off the rolls. And uh, that didn't seem right to me, but it's what is and you move on and, and, uh, and you know, it, it was a very important and well done thing by Jay Roach. I really like the, the show a lot. Uh, we're doing a 50th anniversary special uh, later in the year, celebrating the debut of MASH back in 1972. And uh, you had a wonderful appearance. I think it was in season eight, an episode called Too Many Cooks, where you played uh, a soldier who was maybe not a great soldier, but was a wonderfully talented gourmet chef. Do you remember much about that experience? It was a dream come true because I loved that show so much. And indeed, I knew a lot of the same guys, the creative side of it. I knew uh, uh, Larry Gelbart, who was the writer. I knew Gene Reynolds, the producer, and he directed a lot of them. He had put me in after two or three years of MASH. They came out with a show. It was just a pilot. Then it was got picked up. It was 13 episodes. It was a, kind of a black, black MASH show. It was about the Red Ball Express, a trucking company in World right. War II. Right. It was overseas. And so I was part of that show, and that lasted 13 weeks. And sadly, didn't get picked up. But I was always drawn to the mass crowd, to Alan and, uh, you know, and to Mike Farrell and all that wonderful gang. And, uh, and to see them again on year eight of that show, when I'd been next door to them doing that other Gene Reynolds, Larry Gelbart show, was, was a real treat. I want to ask you about uh, your products and talk about what's happening with Begley's Best. Uh, we chatted about a little bit last time you were on. Begley's Best products are available uh, at Walmart and Amazon.com. I understand uh, your pet products will soon be available at Chewy.com as well. Uh, how important was you, Ed, to get this partnership with the people at LabClean? It was very important because I had, since 1970, been a guy a cheapskate and environmentalist both who was always drawn to vinegar and water and baking soda to clean things. And that will do a certain level of cleaning. You know, we're talking real, you know, geodesic dome cleaning, let's say, kind of just <laughs> keeping the, uh, you know, making sure the love beads are clean, the lava lamps, that kind of stuff is fine for. But as we grow older and you want a, a different level of clean, you know, there's been some good products and some of them, I'm going to talk about all of them. If you pick mine, that's fine, but pick one of them. Seventh Generation, as you probably know, has a great line of products for years, and they're all very, very good. Eco's great products for years. What we said about doing with Lab Clean, to have products every bit as good as Formula 409 and Windex and all that, but they're totally non-toxic. And we are able to achieve that because we don't just test it ourselves for its safety. We have third-party testing, EPA designed for the environment testing. And so that is a very neutral third-party testing saying it's super super non-toxic and, and uh, low impact. So you get to do the other kind of testing yourself because you're gonna know right away if it cleans good or it doesn't. And we passed that test with flying colors. Great cleaners, Mark Cunningham is a great friend. I'm, it was a happy day the day that I met him, got involved with his company and uh, we've got a nice line of products now and they're doing quite well. Yeah, and isn't there a perception, I think among some people who haven't tried them that, oh, these products are fine and they're safe for the environment, but they just don't, they don't clean as well as the chemical products. Yeah, we got to own a little bit of that because that was the case for your stuff was, you know, 
nice and non-toxic and didn't hurt anybody, but it also didn't clean very good. People wanted it and they deserved to have it both ways to clean good too, like really good. So we, that was our goal. We set out to achieve that goal and we were able to do it, which is nothing short of a miracle. But Mark Cunningham is a genius and there's friends that have these great formulas are geniuses all, and you can do it. It can be done. It's a little extra work, a little extra expense, but it's worth it to have a, you know, something that cleans good and is safe around your kids and pets. So keep in mind, kids are crawling in the floor like my grandson putting his fingers in his mouth. Pets are crawling around the floor, licking the floor, putting their paws in their mouth. You want those little ones to be as safe as possible. By body weight, they're taking a big hit. If you're using some toxic floor cleaner or other toxic products, stop it. Do something today. Vinegar and water, something, baking soda. And then if you got the dough, and most people do, move up the bladder a little bit and get some good products like mine and some of the others I mentioned. I can offer a positive review right from my own home. Our dog, Ginger, is not a big fan of baths. We, we try not to do too many of them, but she had her spring bath and survived that. But I said, I'm going to try Ed's waterless pet shampoo, and she loves it. It's great. She smells terrific. She looks good. So it's a big success story in our house. Same thing happened at our house. I was ready for my spring bath. Michelle <laughs> put it on me, got me in the sink there. And, uh, you know, I smell better, apparently, and uh, I'm a little easier to be close to. So <laughs> it's springtime. It's time. For, well, no, I guess it's actually summer now, isn't it? It is indeed. I, I want to ask you, if we can, about a few things that people can do, because I, I think most people understand uh, the need that we're facing here and the challenge that, that we face uh, as, as we deal with climate change and everything that's going on in the world. Some steps that people could take right away that that may not have a big impact on their lives, but they can do to start being headed in the right direction. And I know one that you recommend is is to go vegan or at the very least to cut back on the consumption of red meat. Yeah, just try one day a week. If you're a big meat eater, see if you can go a day without it. See how that is for you. If you like it, maybe do a couple of days. Uh, you know, you like vegetable dishes and I do. I, I haven't had meat, you know, red meat since 1970 or veal or lamb or pork or anything like that. But for a while I ate different, you know, you know, like fish and stuff like that. But uh, I find vegan diet is a good diet. I encourage people to do that, but don't get put off by not being able to go to the top of the hill there. Just do what you can one day a week, two days a week. If you like it, do it a few more. And, uh, and I, you know, I really, uh, I'm very lucky that I enjoy vegan food the way I do and I'm a cook so I like to make vegan dishes and I made some soups for my son and his friends when they were in town all these vegan soups and people flip for them they're every bit as flavorful as any chicken stock super ham bone soup that you're going to make and you certainly do this but anybody who's got the, you don't need a, a couple of acres of land just a little bit of space and the wonder that comes from growing your own food the satisfaction that comes from that uh, is Look, it's going to help the planet, sure, but it's also going to help you, and you're going to feel great. And if you got kids like I do, uh, my eight-year-old watching that process and seeing it all happen changes their outlook on the planet. Richard, that's why I put in my first vegetable garden in 1979. I did it because I wanted my kids to know that food didn't come from the Safeway bush <laughs> or the, you know, the the Vons tree or what have you. You know, I wanted to know where food came from. Good, healthy soil moisture, water that we got to conserve and protect, and sunshine. It need, you know, needs nutrients, it needs good soil, 
water and uh, so a little bit of care and you're gonna have a beautiful vegetable garden. I got my corn coming in now, I'm eating my tomatoes already. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have that. And a simple thing that people can do, you can be in an apartment and still do this, is to begin composting. Start composting. I did it back in 1970. I got a little diaper pail back then, and I put those food scraps in there. Then once a week, I didn't even have a place to start a proper composting in the apartment complex. So I took it nearby to a railroad tracks, you know, near me, and I put it in there just so it would return to the earth. And uh, things started to grow there. I saw how easy it was to grow cherry tomatoes. They just started growing. So that was a catalyst for me to finally, when I had a piece of dirt, I could call my own to have a vegetable garden and to uh, grow some things. And I've been growing food ever since, since the late 70s. What else could people do around the house to make a difference? Do all the stuff that you can afford. Start with the cheap and easy stuff that's within your budget. Bike riding, if weather and fitness permit. Public transportation, if it's available near you and you feel safe with a mask on the subway or the bus or whatever. Uh, energy saving thermostat, energy efficient light bulbs, composting if you got a little area in your home or apartment, vegetable garden if you got a little bit of room for that. Vegetarian, you know, become a vegan or vegetarian if you can try that and hopefully you'll like it. Uh, all those things I just mentioned, very cheap and you will save money, I guarantee it. Uh, our state uh, here in Maine, uh, we did a nice thing back about a year ago, and the state banned the use of single-use plastic bags. Good on you. We're going to do it here in California, I think, right now. We're poised to do it. We'll see if we pull it off. So, uh, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember I lived a life without any plastic bags. We had some paper bags or some things. If you, if you bought a greeting card or a a pack of gum, you know, they sometimes put in a little paper bag unless you told them, please don't do that. But now you got to be vigilant. No plastic bags, please don't. And I've been bringing my canvas bags since the 70s, some of them to look at. Believe me, you know I've bring, been bringing them <laughs> since the 70s, Rich. So, uh, you know, those are alternatives. A lot of the places are very happy to not give you a bag now because they realize, used to be they said, no, we've got to give it insurance or whatever they said that was true or not true. Now they, they're happy to save the quarter, the 25 cents it cost them, not just to make the bag, but to store it there, to store it in the storage room, to move it from the truck to the storage room, to move it from the storage room to the counter, the person's time it takes to put in the, you know, it all adds up. I think it's something like 25 cents a bag it costs them. They're very happy to not pay it. And it's great to talk with you again. We Every time you come on, I feel like we've just had your, your old friend Cindy Williams on. She was with us a few months ago, getting ready to go off and uh, do her one woman tour. She's so great. I can't wait to talk to her again. You've given me a catalyst to give her a ring today. So thank you for that. I love that woman and have since 19, 1970. My God, we're working on room 222 and I met her at a Christmas party there. So uh, it'd be great to talk to her. Thank you for bringing that up. And I hope to see you again soon, pal. Hey, it's great talk with you, Ed. Appreciate uh, your, your wonderful work and Queer as Folk. And better call Saul and everything you do. But most of all, the way you uh, walk the walk as an environmental activist and, and helping all of us uh, figure out it's pretty easy to do the right thing. So thank you, as always, for spending some time with us today. And thank you for putting up my topsy-turvy uh, life here uh, as we set up this morning. Thank you, pal. You're welcome. Good luck with Ed Grandson, too. I appreciate it, bud. That's Ed Begley Jr. here on Downtown, the podcast. We'll take a little break. And when we come back, 
Comedian Josh Gondelman. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Downtown, the podcast. Our next guest, an Emmy-nominated, Emmy-winning comedy writer for Jesus and Marrow, and last week tonight with John Oliver. Also a terrific stand-up comedian as well, and he showcases that in his first comedy special, People Pleaser. We're happy to welcome Josh Gondelman to Downtown. Hello there, Josh. Hey, Rich. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, congratulations on a terrific special. I watched it last week, and uh, it was a blast. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It really uh, means a lot that, that you watched it and liked it. I feel that way about anybody that's watching it and enjoying it, though. There's so much out there for people to uh, absorb. <laughs> so what was it like uh, being back on stage with a live audience? It was really exciting. I mean, like, you can kind of see it at the beginning of uh, that special event where I, I kind of start by just saying how nice it is to be around people, and it was really thrilling. I I started, I filmed it one month after coming back to live performance after I was vaccinated. So, like, it was a real scramble to get ready, but it was really fun uh, getting back on stage, and people were so enthusiastic to be out at shows. So many people came out after I uh, came up to me after the taping and after the shows I'd done to like get ready for it, just saying like, wow, this was our first night out in a year and a half. And that felt really um, like heartwarming and special to me to, that people came out for the first time and like have that memory of, of my show. Now, did I read right that you recorded it at the uh, Tribeca film festival? Yeah, it was cool. It, we, uh, it was at this venue called Spring Studio, and they set up Comedy Dynamics, who produced it, set up uh, the backdrop and everything and the lighting at the Tribeca Film Festival. So, uh, and, and Tribeca is also doing an online screening of it for a limited time. So technically, it is a Tribeca Film Festival selection. <laughs> that is wonderful. Now, what was it like for you? Because I know from following you on social media, you've been, you've been pretty careful through all the COVID times, what was it like? Obviously, when you're on stage, you get that rush of the audience. Are you like me after you do those things? I'm like, okay, how many days has it been? Uh, all right, I'm five days out. I guess I didn't get anything. <laughs> yeah, I've been really, you know, I like most most times still when I go out to shows, I'll wear a mask until I'm on stage and then put it back on afterwards. So I am very uh, a little, a little cautious still, but fortunately at Jesus and Marrow, we, because of union regulations, we get tested a couple times a week, one PCR and one rapid at least. And so it feels very, I feel very lucky to go like, well, I've already had confirmation this week that I'm testing negative for COVID, but it was like, it was a whole, um, 
one of the first shows I did back, I was told it was an outdoor show in the back of a truck and I pictured a pickup truck, but it was like an enclosed van with like 18 audience members. Oh, oh, this is really uh, immersion therapy for someone who hasn't been performing live for over a year. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Josh Gondelman here on Danta. All right. I, I made note of a few things uh, during the special I wanted to bring up. Now, I Please. I don't want to give anything away because I want people to watch it. It's so good. But I mean, can you uh, briefly explain the difference between California sober and Massachusetts sober? <laughs> sure. So California sober is like a real thing that people say. It, it is kind of, it's slang for people who don't drink any alcohol but do smoke weed, which I find to be an aspirationally relaxed lifestyle <laughs> that I do not relate to at all coming from uh, growing up in the Boston area, living in New York City for over a decade at this point, and Massachusetts sober, I've hypothesized, is what I feel more comfortable with. And it's the kind of person who might be legally ordered to not drink uh, because they keep crashing their car into a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> That's just the kind of sobriety that I relate to. It's just people who have been uh, dragged, <laughs> kicking, and screaming to it. All right. Uh, can you explain what you have in common with Jason Momoa? Sure. Yeah. So a little while back, this is, I've been thinking about this ever since a little while back, Jason Momoa was uh, running on the beach on vacation and there are all these paparazzi photos of him. And normally he has the six abs, the high score for abs. And then in this case, <laughs> he had the one big oval ab, like a sexy loaf of bread instead of a sexy pan of dinner rolls. And all these websites said, had headlines like Jason Momoa is on the beach with his dad bod. And I was like, well, uh, it is good to know that according to people who have described our bodies, Jason Momoa and I have the same body type. So that feels pretty good, honestly. <laughs> I really feel like it's an upgrade for me. Now, you have to feel good that you apparently are now making cameo appearances in the Sex Dreams of Friends. <laughs> It was just the one, and I did show up after the sexy part ended. But it's still, honestly, in the middle of 2020, texting me that, that I was in a dream, I responded, I was like, just nice to be out of the house. Uh. <laughs> uh, can you explain the concept, and I love this, of uh, well, the difference between the term slumber number and body count? Oh, sure. I just feel like people are so aggressive the way they talk about their sexual history, you know, body count is a phrase people that use, which is, um, you know, it's a little, a little much. You, you're not trying to leave that much carnage in your life, right? I just feel slumber number is like a much more gentle term, makes it feel like you let the other person sleep in while you cook breakfast the next morning. <laughs> yes, it's much more loving and sensitive. Yeah, it's, it's very tender and not, you know, not to, to shame anybody for what they're into, but I just feel like as an aggregate, we shouldn't talk about it as if it's a death toll. You uh, you explained, and I think a lot of us feel this way, that you have learned some important some, uh, opinions from your wife over the last several oh, years. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I love to enjoy things with her, but there are so many things that that she, because I love and trust her, she tells me, and I, um, I just, that's my opinion now. I think that is the way to go. Uh, for example, have I listened to a Fiona Apple album from front to back? Sadly, I have not. But do I believe that Fiona Apple is a genius? Yeah, absolutely. That's the case. And I think that more, you know, if you love and trust your partner, it's just nice to uh, know things now without having to learn them because they just 
tell you when that's your opinion. <laughs> and it makes it so much easier without the heavy lifting. No heavy lifting, no research, no, uh, no like consideration. You just go, hey, you think it, and I trust you. So now I think it as well. Uh, yeah, my wife is a big fan of the series Outlander, both the books and the TV series. Mm -hmm. And so now I love it, even though I've never seen it. Yeah. Hey, it's great. It's it's really, uh, you know, it's an escapist. It's exciting. It's, it's sexy. What's not to love about this show that neither of us have ever seen? <laughs> right. She tells me uh, I'm buying it. Now, you have come up with, a, I think, a, an outstanding description of yourself uh, in the special, uh, Josh. You say that you're medium smart. Yeah, I I think that's true. I like my wife is a big reader, and I don't want to self-deprecate because I feel like there's this this culture that you see like on TV and in and, you know in, on shows and movies and in ads of just like the husband being like the dumbest guy on the face of the earth. Who's you know <laughs> it, the uh, the detergent commercials was just like a guy who's never seen a washing machine before, and, and I feel like I'm medium smart. Like I've um, I think it's fun to go to a museum, even if I don't read the words at the museum. I just look at the physical stuff. That's, that's medium smart. I'm not just, you know, uh, <laughs> throwing rocks at an old mailbox or something for a good time. Uh, the special was so good, but I, I don't know that I laughed harder than uh, your description of the groomsman's toast. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't want to give the whole thing away. No, no, don't, don't. Truly, every... every bridesmaid I've ever witnessed is like so sincere and heartfelt and not to be like, you know, like women do this and men do that. But I think the way we're socialized is like women are, are kind of given the good advice to like be sweet and heartfelt and thoughtful when they're talking about their friends. And every guy sounds like he's describing his worst enemy in every group <laughs> I've ever heard. Just the way you're talking about, you're like, you know, his grandma's listening to this. Maybe she doesn't need to know why you call him, uh, well, you know, a, a gross name that I won't say on the radio. <laughs> and, and after watching, too, I'm convinced that every wedding needs a Michael Jackson impersonator. Well, we certainly had one, and it was not on purpose, but <laughs> it was pretty exceptional because we didn't tell anyone. Our DJ told us that he also did Michael Jackson, and I did not know what that meant, but I gave him the full green light to go ahead and <laughs> do whatever that meant at our wedding, and he had a costume and did a dance and we did not tell anyone that it was going to happen. So people were pretty surprised. And I don't know if I would say delighted, but I would say blown away. <laughs> now, is that, is that the strangest hidden talent that anyone has ever confided in you? Gosh, I mean, I feel like he wasn't trying to hide it. That was the thing <laughs> that I loved. That he was just like, here's something I do. It's on the menu. You know, I think if he had, if he had actually surprised us with it at the wedding, for sure it would have been the the most hilarious hidden talent. If he had just been like, probably they would like if I did this, and then put on the hat and the glove and done a dance. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm ridiculously envious of your talent, but perhaps even more so of your shoe collection. I love your show shoes, but you just have the best shoes in the comedy business. Thank you. I mean, very kind. You know, I came in. I my I'm just uh, chasing the greats, Ron Funches, Jeffrey <laughs> Lester, two of the great comedians uh, with secret collections. But like truly, Jesus and Marrow, who, who for whom I've worked for years, have like 
just astonishing collection. Like Jesus would have his on display behind him when we were shooting fully remotely during the early pandemic. And uh, I feel like I'm in an arms race that I can't possibly win. Like, I feel like <laughs> uh, like Jesus's sneaker collection is like the United States military. And I'm like the Estonian military. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wrote for several years for last week tonight with John Oliver, uh, now at Jesus and Marrow. And uh, look, I, the, the connection's pretty obvious to me that, that great comedy follows you wherever you uh, go. Jesus and Marrow is such a terrific show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to get to work with them and our whole wonderful staff. I've, I've had, like, truly the good fortune of spending the last, like, almost nine years now at going from one dream job just to the next dream job. And so it's really been, uh, it's been so much fun. What have you got going on for the summer? We, so we've got a few weeks off. I'm going on the road a little bit. I'm uh, performing. I'm doing a couple Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me live tapings, which I haven't done in a while, and I'm so excited for. Uh, I'm doing a little stand-up on the road. I'm taking a, a trip back to um, Boston to see my family and to do my friend Zach Sherwin runs a show called The Crossword Show, and um, it's it, you comedian solving a crossword puzzle live on stage with clues that he has created and there's like a rap song through line for the whole thing it's like really spectacular and so much fun so i'm excited you know just excited to like perform a little more tinker with some writing projects on my own and just like really uh enjoy try to enjoy the nice weather that's fantastic by the way uh, we love uh, wait wait don't tell me we've had uh, paula poundstone as a regular with oh, us she's great uh, we've had tom bodette on we've had uh, tom papa we've had bill curtis on but uh, mm -hmm. twist peter sagel's arm and tell him we need him here all right, I'll get him. I'll see, I'll see him this week. Um, I do. I, I, I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I mean, like, it is such an institution, and uh, it's so funny because I think I, you know, I knew that it was such a big deal when I got invited to start doing it, but my parents, who knew of it, knew of the show, weren't, um, weren't regular, you know, weren't every week listeners, and I think they kind of came around a little bit more and listen more frequently because so many people they know were like, we just heard Josh on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This is like, he's made it, finally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like, could not talk with you without asking about uh, how Busy is doing. She's doing okay. My wife Maris just took her out for her little afternoon walk, so they're on their way to the barber shop down the street where they give her, they keep dog treats stocked behind the counter and give her a little treat um, when she comes in every afternoon. And she's she's getting up there. She's almost 15. And so she kind of wobbles down the street and then doesn't have any teeth. They give her these little hard biscuits and she just stands there crushing it with her gum. Takes her about a minute and then she, she moses on back home. Well, glad to hear she's still hanging in there uh, and doing yeah. well. Now, I watched People Pleaser on Apple Plus, but it's available on several platforms, right? Definitely. You can get it on Apple Plus, YouTube, Amazon Prime, Vimeo. It's like most of the places where you can, can rent or buy uh, video stuff a la carte it's, is where it's housed now. So it might be a little broader even in a few months, but that's that's where people can find it now. It's like, and whichever one, people have been really nice. You know, people have been tweeting at me and texting, like, what's the best for you? And I'm like, honestly, the best is just that you watch it and tell people if you like it. Well, and that you should indeed. Don't wait around. Get to it this weekend. Uh, people Pleaser, Josh Gondelman's stand-up special. Josh, uh, love the show, and it's always great to talk with you. Thank you so much for making time for us. I hope you have a great rest of your summer. Oh, 
my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and have a good one. Josh Gondelman talking about his first comedy special, People Pleaser, on Downtown the Podcast. Our thanks to Josh, thanks to the wonderful Ed Begley Jr., and thanks to you for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time here on Downtown, brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.